0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty.
1: Thank you both so much for joining me today on Michigan Minds. But before we get started on our conversation, could you please share a little bit about yourself, your role at the University of Michigan and at the Institute of Firearm Injury
2: Prevention? Hi, my name is Xin Fang Xie. I am uh, currently a research assistant professor at the University of Michigan Institute for firearm injury prevention. Um, With my training and research programs in health behavior and health education, uh, I take public health perspective and use this multi-social ecological level analysis to understand the relationship between violence and um, and long-term health and related outcomes. I am also especially interested in identifying evidence-based approaches to address health disparities in, health, uh, in violence-related outcomes, including school violence.
0: Hello, my name is Justin Heinze. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Health Behavior and Health Education at the University of Michigan School of Public Health I'm also the co-director of the National Center of School Safety, and I'm very interested in how youth vi- exposure to violence and victimization can affect a students' adoption and persistence in terms of their role attainment.
1: Thank you both so much for sharing that. And I want to jump right in. What is the field of firearm injury prevention, and how is this type of research
2: growing? Yes, certainly. Um, this field is, of study is one of the great importance of addressing an ongoing crisis and this nation's, um, uh, and while also respecting the critical social and historical context for firearms in the United States. So, I believe the common goal shared among all of us is to identify evidence based solutions to prevent these injuries from occurring. Uh, whether they're systematic, personal, or other solutions. This kind of study seeks not to eliminate the use of firearm, but to make their use safer. So that's a common goal.
0: And this is a a really important time in the area of uh, firearm injury prevention. So for a long time, there was this moratorium on federal funding that was directly associated with uh, firearm research. And we are just now starting to see a change. So there's been a, a group of researchers over the past 20 years that have been trying to to keep this field moving forward. But with some federal reinvestment and some of the work that's happening at the University of Michigan, we're starting to see more and more junior faculty begin to pursue this area, uh, to think about different ways to intervene, to be co- to collaborate with Community organizations that are already doing this work in in major cities where there's a high firearm injury burden. So it's an exciting time to be looking at this field and be working with a lot of new faces, in in addition to some uh, more senior faculty and researchers that have been doing this work for a long time.
1: Thank you for sharing that insight with us recently you both along with other researchers have focused your efforts on understanding when students will report a potential threat to their environment, could you please discuss what this research is.
0: Sure. And it comes from a developing body of research that suggests when, when there have been active shooter incidents on campus, more often than not, and as much as 75 to 80% of the time, the perpetrators in some way indicated that they might be uh, planning to perpetrate some of the violence. So they're posting it on social media, they're writing something, their behavior is changing. And in retrospect, people reflect back and say, I wish I would have spoken up, I wish I would have said something. And so part of the role of this project was to test that idea. So we were working with the National Institute of Justice and the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation. Sandy Hook Promise Foundation is implementing what they call the Say Something Anonymous Reporting System. This is a system that allows students to use an app or a phone or computer to express a concern that they have about themselves or others. That information then goes to a call-in center or a a tip line center, which is either shared with law enforcement or the schools. Now anonymous reporting systems or confidential re- reporting systems, they're actually uh, pretty widespread. You see them in states throughout the country, but there hasn't been a lot of research applied to them. So we don't know how well they work in terms of preventing violence. And so part of our role was to serve as the evaluation team for that project. This was happening in Miami-Dade County. And so we worked with the school district and Sandy Hook Promise to conduct this uh, randomized control trial.
2: And uh, what we found is, along with our fellow co-authors, is that this kind of training combined with anonymous reporting system uh, encouraged the use of the system uh, within school settings. And we found that this program improved students' self-advocacy and intention to report concerns when uh, we tested the program among more than 700 students who participated in the study. We do know that self-advocacy and intention are the two most significant predictors of uh, health behavior or behavior change. So that's encouraging result we found. Uh, We also saw that there are evidence uh, or this program reduces overall school violence compared to schools that did not receive such program.
1: Thank you for sharing that information. You mentioned the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation. Could you explain the ideation process with that organization?
2: So I believe this uh, reporting system, anonymous reporting system was uh, initially developed in response to students sharing that They had no trusted adult or that they were afraid if they were identified as sharing information that could be used against them. So the foundation launched this say something anonymous reporting system after the 2012 mass shooting happened at Hook Elementary School that resulted in 28 fatalities.
0: And the University of Michigan, our our team has been partnering with the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation for about five years. So again, and following the the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, um, Sandy Hook Promise began to develop curricula that was focused on improving social climate and then promoting this idea of see something and say something. It was a little bit later that they launched their anonymous reporting system as well. What I think is really interesting about this particular reporting system relative to others, as as we mentioned that there there are quite a few different sort of reporting systems throughout the country, but this one pairs a training. So the idea is it's not just provide the system, but then as Xing referenced earlier, you're trying to develop some of that uh, self-advocacy and intention to use that system within students to help them recognize when they should be using the system and then ideally using that system in an equitable way so that they're identifying students um, with legitimate concerns rather than, you know, falling back on prejudice or biases. Yeah, and
2: I think the training, that they offer teaches students and school personnel about what, when and how to report warning signs. So the what refers to what kind of warning signs for individuals to do harm or to others or themselves. So they teach students what what kind of sign to recognize and then when should uh, they report it. And finally, if they do want to report any concern, how to report it through different trustworthy channels, including the anonymous reporting system, including trusted adult, including school teacher. Uh, So there are multiple ways that a student can report it safely. Um, The other... Component of the program they offer is called Safe Promise Coop, and that's a program that comes along with the training that engage students in the school setting. Um, have an active, active actively uh, participated in the school violence prevention effort.
0: And one of the things I really like about our partnership, I mean, this feels like a research to uh, to practice type of of project or endeavor. So Sandy Hook Promise Foundation was already doing this work. What we bring from a public health perspective and from a a firearm injury prevention perspective is some of the science. So we are trying to apply our methodology to see whether or not what Sandy Hook Promise was already doing in schools uh, is making that difference. And I think that's going to be a good model for other firearm injury researchers finding some community-based organizations or foundations or federal efforts that are already implementing some of these practices that we feel might be theoretically driven but don't have that evidence base yet. This is speaking to some of that gap in the research around firearm injury and working with those partners, um, applying again our, our methods in science to see whether or not these programs are making that difference and then hopefully develop some best practices for others who wanna emulate those things moving forward.
1: For those who may not know, how do anonymous reporting systems
2: work? Anonymous reporting systems uh, allow and encourage individuals to safely report an issue whenever they see uh, their peer or a classmate, friend, someone they know, it could be adults um, who is having mental duress or at risk of har- harming themselves or others. Um, the system offers a channel um, to report those concerns. And then uh, they have a national crisis agency who receive and follow up on these tips accordingly. Um, this say something. Anonymous reporting system that we studied is um, so unique in that way. It provides a holistic approach to its implementation and use. So not only is it implemented, uh, the system offered, um, but also offer the training and student engagement component component as well.
0: And, you know, these systems, they really have proliferated across the country. There are even states that require some form of anonymous reporting system or confidential reporting system. The difference is that the person making the tip might be identified in those cases. And despite their sort of ubiquity across the country, we don't know a whole lot about them, which was, again, a really exciting opportunity for us to try to understand how they're implemented in practice and whether or not we are seeing any sort of changes based on Uh, their availability.
1: That's great to know and thank you again for sharing that information. What are some steps that a school or a community could take to implement an anonymous reporting system
2: in their area? We believe that um, schools and community, they know the best what they need. Uh, So first thing is to determine the needs of your school and community um, it is critical to understand who will be utilizing the system and working from layer to determine which is best to implement in, in your own setting. Um, and then you could check in which are your school community leaders to see if there's any program that's already av- available too. Um, I do believe the success of such a program also depends on how the schools respond to the tips. When student reporting concerns are the concerns addressed with enough consideration of safety equity and inclusiveness and um, it's important to consider is there a team of adults who can address the concerns race bearing students best interest in mind. Um, it is also. Always a good idea to consider anonymous reporting system or a tip line as just part of a more comprehensive approach to school safety, instead of thinking as a one size fits all program or a single solution towards school safety.
1: Moving forward, what are you working on next in regard to this research?
0: Well, we're hoping to continue to build an evidence base around whether or not anonymous reporting systems are effective in terms of preventing violence. So in this case, our study was focused on middle school students, but we are interested to know whether or not uh, a system like this could work for high school students or even elementary school students. Uh, we're not sure if the training that's involved in the anonymous reporting system or say something uh, needs to be tailored for the age uh, or the cultural appropriateness for the different student populations. So again, this was working in Miami-Dade school districts, but how, will, will that work in Detroit? Will it work in Cleveland? Will it work in Los Angeles, California? So trying to understand how this system could be implemented in different places would be very important. Um, We are currently working with the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation to look more specifically at the content of the tips that come in. So when someone makes a call or uses the app, they use a certain amount of language to talk about their concerns. And we haven't had an opportunity to really delve into what is the nature uh, and the disposition of some of that information, how long does it take for that information to go to a crisis center and ultimately be acted upon by the school or law enforcement, particularly if it's not uh, a certain exigency to the situation, if it's perhaps a concern about mental health or about bullying, which we do see, so it's not always tips about example uh, an imminent shooting and so how do these tip lines and centers work to understand areas where perhaps there were n- not the original intention um, but we still want to be capturing students who might be at risk and how do we work with those students particularly if names are involved or if certain information if there's not quite enough detail to act upon them so to understand some of that information will help us begin to develop best, best practices so that when other states or school districts are trying to implement Uh, the SAR system or systems like that, we can help them think through some of these challenges and be prepared to serve their student bodies.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that information with us. And as our podcast comes to a close today, is there anything else that you would like to share about this research or any other research that you're doing?
0: I think one of the things that uh, that pops into my mind, and this is perhaps relevant to other firearm-related uh, injury and, and challenges. This is the the end, or at least the the middle of a longer, Theme around if you see something, say something. So this is the Department of Homeland Security messaging that you would see on the subway or you would see at an airport. And here we see taking something and applying it to uh, the very unique context that our schools. And so when I think about school safety and I think about prevention programs, there might well be other forms of violence and injury prevention uh, ideas or initiatives that are out there in the world, maybe they're at the community level, maybe they're focused on intimate partner violence, but could be applicable to schools. And how do you translate those specific programs to the school context? And as Shane Fang alluded to earlier, does that translation, if it works for one school, would it work for all schools? Or how can we continue to be uh, tailoring our programs so that they're gonna work in the different contexts Rural schools, suburban schools, urban schools, all of which have challenges with violence, all of which have concerns about firearm injury, um, many of which I believe can benefit from programs like the Say Something Anonymous reporting system and other forms of firearm injury prevention. So thinking through some of those opportunities, seeing how we can take what the field already knows, even if it wasn't originally focused on firearm violence, but perhaps can be applied uh, in new ways with new ideas. And I'll just return again to this, uh, I think this new wave of, Uh, scholars that are interested in this space and funding opportunities that will allow us to look creatively at different initiatives and strategies and programs that are happening in school districts across the country. Um, I think it's it's a great time to be engaged in this work and we know it has meaningful impact. And so I'm excited to be a part of that.
2: Uh, One of the the findings that I found really interesting from this study is that offering the say something anonymous reporting system uh, with training. Uh, we found also actually improved the students' per- perception of their uh, school connectedness, basically that linked to the school climate outcome. So we see this kind of program uh, may have the potential to improve school climate. And Now that made me wonder um, if there could be potential reciprocal effect, we, we might be seeing in the further study uh, where if we do have a welcoming and um, positive school climate would let fuller in, in in increase students um, willingness to report any concerns they have or their the, the issues they are struggling with. Um, so moving forward, um, paying more attention on the overall school climate and how that could play a role in enhancing school safety combined with such a program um, would be something really interesting to me to look at
1: thank you both for sharing those answers with us. And I think that it's very insightful for those of us who might not be as familiar with this type of research or firearm injury prevention work that has been done so far and what will continue to happen in the future. So thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag
2: UMichImpact.